Amen. Glory to God. So let's turn to Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 28. Glory to God. Thank you, Father, for your goodness. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, I just ask you today that you will show each individual the need for the fire of God, for your fire, Father. Lord, let them desire it. Let them hunger for it. Lord, let them hunger for it. Let them hunger for it, Lord. Let them desire your fire, your your personality. Let them desire your presence, your essence, Lord. Let them desire you with everything they've got. We need your fire, Father. We need your fire. We need the tangible and very real fire of God. Father, let it fall on your people. Let it fall on your people. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. In Hebrews 28, it says this. Therefore, 1228, Therefore, since we receive a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us show gratitude by which we may offer to God an acceptable service with reverence and awe. For our God is a consuming fire. And in this series, we're talking about the purifying fire of God. The purifying fire, because fire purifies. Literally, the original Greek word, uh, if you spelled it out in English, it would be P-U-R, like pure. It, it's, it is something that purifies. It takes all the stuff that we have and it gets rid of it. It, it takes all the junk and it gets rid of it. It brings it to the surface. Our God is a fire, a consuming fire. And what he does is he consumes the things of a corrupted flesh so that all that's left is the life-giving breath of God. He consumes everything that's not of him. He's holy. He's not trying to just destroy people or destroy things for the sake of destroying them. He destroys the works of the enemy. This is why Jesus was manifested in 1 John 3, 8, to destroy the works of the enemy. There's things you got to understand that when sin came into the world, it, it corrupted everything and with it came lack and death. As a matter of fact, uh, Jesus basically simplifies it and generalizes it in John 10.10 and says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And that's what sin did. And when we get to the place where we understand, hey, sin in me is the thing that's bringing lack. Sin that I allow is the thing that's bringing death in my life. If I need healing, it's a re- it's a, the sickness that I've had is a result of that sin. If I will let the fire of God purify me, then I will step into the places where healing can take place. I'll step into the places where provision can take place. I'll step into those things. But I've got to let the fire do what the fire was meant to do, to purify me, to refine me. 
We talked about it, I think, a couple of weeks ago, where the refiner's fire, how would the refiner know that the purification process and the refining was complete? Because what would happen is they'd bring gold up to a heat level. They'd bring it up to a certain temperature, and then all of a sudden what starts to happen is the junk and the trash in the gold starts to separate, and it'll float to the top because gold is heavy and it's weighty. It has an honor to it, and the trash comes up to the top, and then the refiner would scoop off the trash and get rid of it, and he would know that there was a purity in the glory of that gold when he could look in it and see his reflection. Does God see his reflection in you? Have you allowed the purifying refiner's fire to change you and remove the junk so much that the creator of the universe can see his reflection in you? Has he, have you allowed him to remove that trash so that this refining fire, God can see himself inside of you? We should all grow up to the fullness of the stature of Christ, but we've got to let this fire do what the fire does. He's a consuming fire. He doesn't consume those who are burning. He consumes the things that would hold them back. We need the fire of God. We need the purifying fire of God. Do you start to realize everything you got wrong in your life, if you've got sickness in your life, if you've got disease in your life, if you have lack in your life, if you have anything in your life that's holding you back, it might be a, a lack of finances, it might be a lack of health, it might be a lack of relationship with God and, and no drive, no desire. You might see all of these things, you've got to understand that when the fire of God comes, it consumes all of that and puts you into the place of blessing. What we need is a touch of his fire. We need the purifying fire of God. That's what fixes everything is a touch of his fire. What fixes everything is a touch of his fire. So let's look at Luke 3.16. Here John the Baptist by the Holy Spirit talks about Jesus and he says this. He says, listen, he says, John answered and said to them, as for me, I baptize you with water, but one is coming who is mightier than I. And I am not fit to even untie the thong of his sandals. This is John the Baptist that Jesus said there's not one greater born of women up to this point. And John the Baptist says, I'm not even worthy to untie his sandals. That's how great he is. And when he comes, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. This word here, baptize, it does not mean uh, just to sprinkle with fire. It doesn't mean just to give, listen, it doesn't mean just to give a tongue of fire. It means to completely cover you, to douse you in the flames of God that there is no part of you that's left untouched and are we the kind of people who will give ourselves to God and say Lord douse me with everything that you have douse me with your presence whatever is left of corrupted me, Lord burn it up so that I can glow and be on fire and, and flame for you in this world Amen. are we of that heart 
where we're willing to say, Lord, I know I, I really want to keep doing this, but I can't do it anymore. I can't do it anymore. I can't do it anymore. i got to have you. I've got to have you. This is the heart that we should carry all the time. We're the fire of God, where we let it do and refine and purify like it should. What does the fire of God do? What does it do? Listen, it cleans us. It purifies us. But what it really does is it sets us in the presence of God. And what evil, what thing that you lack can come into his presence? There's no evil, no lack, no curse that can stand in his presence. And if we will give ourselves to the purifying fire of God, we'll step into a place where no evil can befall you. We'll step into a a cover to be covered and protected from every evil will step under the arms of the Lord and be protected in the shadow of the Almighty and people say how does that work for them why is it going that way I don't know it just looks like everything works for them and it's because they decided one day they said I'm going to step into the purifying fire of God and I'll never step out and if you've not been there and if you've not ever experienced that or you've been there and you're not there now, the question you must ask yourself is, why would I not give myself to a loving God who has my best at his heart? Why would I even consider doing otherwise? Why would I even consider that? When he loves me enough to give me his son. When I was so messed up, I was his enemy. I couldn't help myself. If he wanted to kill me, all he had to do was just let the earth go. He just had to let it go because all of a sudden it's just going to implode. But that's not what he did. He said, look, you're helpless. You're a sinner. And you're my enemy. Most kings kill their enemies. But our king said, my son, go and give your life. What kind of love is that? Is, that's a love to be trusted and to say, Lord, if you tell me I need a touch of fire and I, you are consuming fire, Lord, douse me with your fire. Douse me with your flame. Let me burn for you. Burn out everything that's of me, that's of that corrupted me. And Lord, let me live in your holiness, in your righteousness. Lord, consume me with your fire. Jesus, I'm asking you, baptize me with your fire. And I'm telling you, I talked about it on Wednesday. It's different. There was a period of time in my life where I started asking the Lord, Lord, I want more of you. I need more of you. I need you, Father. And I found out about the fire of God. I said, Lord, I don't even know what this fire is exactly, but Lord, I need it. I see it in your word and I don't know what it is. I don't know what it does, but I need it. And guess what? He sent it. And when he touched me, I, I was for three days shaking. It hit me so hard. It was, not, it was not something that I forgot about. We're not talking about something that's unrecognizable. Now, you might not have an experience like me, but your life will change when you have a touch of the fire. When you are baptized in the consuming fire of God, how can anyone come into his real presence and not be changed? It's not possible. When you get a touch of the fire, it burns up the old you and sets ablaze the new you. Yes. Yes. Whew. 
This fire of God. You need to walk in the presence of God. I'm reminded in Exodus 20 and verse 20 when the fire of God came down on the mountain, his presence came down and it looked like the whole top of the mountain was consumed. And the Lord invited his people up, not just Moses. He invited all of his people up there, all of his family to come up. And Moses went up, but all of the rest of the people put it in reverse. Beep, 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 beep. And they were backing up. But that was not the heart of God. Hey, listen, all of that, you need to understand that God is God. He's a big God and he is holy. And you don't play around with him. But he's not showing his power and his fire and the thunder and everything so that you will be afraid of him. No, he's showing you, look, don't play games. Have reverence for him. Don't play around with it. But at the same time, he's saying, you can step into this because I made you in my image. And you are designed to walk in this fire. You're designed to walk doused in the fire of God, doused in the flame of God, a minister of, of flame, a minister of fire that goes all over the world. You carry the presence of God with you. You carry his glory with you. How many people are tired of the world and they're tired of the junk? What it needs is a touch of the fire of God and you're the one called to set it on flame. The world is so dry, it has no life in it. And I remember a story uh, when the Philistines, the people anti-God, were coming against the people of Israel. And one of the first judges, you've heard of Samson, who was so strong, he went and got a couple of little foxes. And he set a torch to their tail. And he ran through and burned up the whole field. This world needs a touch. It needs a few people who the world might consider little. But they will set a whole region on fire. They will set a city on fire. They'll set a nation on fire. Where are those people? I'm looking at them. I'm looking at them this morning. We need the fire of God. We need his presence. We need to be consumed by his glory. Let's turn quickly to 1 Kings. 1 Kings 18. You have a really, really interesting story here about Elijah. 1 Kings 18 and verse 20. You have a really interesting story about Elijah and the fire of God. And what people don't realize a lot of times when they read this story is the present condition of the earth when this story happened. At this point, it had not rained on the whole earth for three and a half years. Now listen, I mean, we're like, we haven't had sunshine for three and a half years. I know it feels like that in North Carolina right now. But this was the opposite. This is like, how many people rejoiced when you saw a bit of sunshine? Anybody besides me? Man, I, I was like, like Facebook, like everybody's rejoicing. Everybody's praising God all of a sudden. The sun is back, right? And that was just a few months. Just a few months of rain, and we did have a lot of it. It's like every time I think we're done, it rains again. Good, my mud holes were getting a little parched. Yeah. <laughs> And then all of a sudden, you know, the sun comes out. The sun comes out and we're like, yay! 
Can you imagine no rain for three and a half years? Across the whole earth. Not just one place. Across the whole earth. Three and a half years. They were thirsty. Literally. What was the most precious thing that they had? Any water that they could find. Any water whatsoever. And here in verse 20 it says, and you know, Ahab who's the king and he's an evil king and what he had done is he had allowed uh, the people to worship gods that weren't God and even promoted it. It was Ahab and Jezebel. That was this rain and Elijah sitting there. So Ahab sent a message among the sons of Israel and brought the prophets together at Mount Carmel. So he brings these prophets, not of God. And then he says this, verse 21, Elijah came near to the people and said, How long will you hesitate between two opinions? When we're talking about the fire of God, we must understand the fire has everything to do with you and your hesitation or not. If you want to walk in the thing that will solve every issue, the fire of God will solve every issue that you have. But if you want to walk in it, how long will you hesitate between the world and the fire? between corruption and the fire, between sin and the fire. How long will you say, no, Lord, don't burn up that area. That's my pet sin. I love it. I like it. How long will you hesitate? How long will you flounder back and forth between the two different places? How long will you be there? How long will you hesitate between the two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. Make up your mind is what Elijah's saying. Come on, don't just check the box on Sunday morning. Burn up for God. Be on fire for him. Or don't do anything at all. God said it like this. Be hot, be cold, but don't be lukewarm. How long will you hesitate between two opinions? How long? Will you battle back and forth between your flesh and the Lord? How long will your flesh keep winning when it comes to a decision to give yourself to the Lord? How long will you hesitate? But listen, if God is God, serve Him. If He's not, stop. But He is. But the people did not answer Him a word. Kind of like me preaching one of the best messages I've ever preached and nobody laughs and nobody amens. I get this. (laughs) Y'all aren't doing that this morning, but I've been there. It stinks. Because what people are saying is, I don't know where I fall on this. I don't know what to think about it. What is there to think about? God is good. He loves us. And he wants the best for us. And he's given us an an access door to enter into the fullness of himself. The word tells us that he has made us to be divine partakers. He's made us to be partners and to give us partaking of his divine nature. 
In other words, if God has a divine godly nature, he's made us partners with him and his nature. And we can literally take a God and we can take part with it like it's ours. Jesus said, abide in me and I will abide in you. In other words, we're not supposed to be walking around here like beat up old fleshly men and women. We're not supposed to be walking around beat up like that. We're supposed to be walking around doing these works and greater. Made in the image and the likeness of God. Carrying something. Carrying a fire. Carrying a power. Just while we've been on this, on, on this uh, message and on this series, when we've prayed for people at the end, we've had some amazing testimonies simply while we've been preaching on this fire. A couple of weeks ago, uh, I prayed for uh, Levi, and uh, he said we were standing over there, and it was powerful. And I'm praying, we're praying about the fire. We're carrying something, y'all. We're carrying something. We're carrying something. Whether you feel it or not, whether you know it or not, we are designed to carry something, and we are carrying something. I prayed, I said, I said, man, what was that? How did it feel? He was like, I don't have words for it yet. I don't know how to describe what just happened inside of me. And then later on, uh, he came back to me and said, I think I found words. It's like a forge happened on the inside of me. Like the Lord just, just, he pressed me and he shaped me into what he wants. It was like a forging inside of me. What a great description. I know exactly what you're talking about because I felt that same thing. And the other day I was praying for Paul and he was standing up here. And, and, and you got to know, you know, most people, some, some, I did this uh, on, at Impact on Tuesday. But sometimes when I pray for people, I won't even touch them. I'll just pray like this and the anointing will be released and they'll feel the anointing. I did that to you on Tuesday. And I was like, do you feel that? I didn't even touch, touch her. I just put my hand above her head. The anointing is tangible. She could feel it. But then sometimes I'll put my hand on and then sometimes I'll do it light. And then sometimes I'll do it harder, especially if they know me and they trust me. Amen. Well, this is one of those harder moments. And I even, I was like, I'm going to hit him, not like, not like fist, but I'm going to hit him. And there's people here that don't know. And they don't know why I would do that, but it's like, it's a point of faith. They, wouldn't, they don't understand why I would do that, and it would take time to teach it and everything. And we're not going to do that this morning. But yeah, I was going to hit him hard enough where I felt like I needed to give a disclaimer. <laughs> like, all right, all right, Paul, come up here. And, oh, and I, I sensed what the Holy Ghost wanted to do. And I'm like, okay, uh, stay there. So I'm going to hit him because sometimes you need to do that. I had to go and explain myself before I did it so that you know people wouldn't be like flipping out, like, oh my goodness, Pastor just hit him. You know, he trusts me. He knows. And and listen, that night we were going to a meeting together and we're riding in the car, and here's what he says to me. I'm talking about we're carrying something. We have something, whether we feel it or not. And so I, I'm sitting there and, and I'm like this. And I like back up, you know, like I'm going to release an impartation of the fire of God. God is moving. I'm ready. I'm springy. And all of a sudden, I'm like, boom, you know, and that's about how I did it. He tells me that night, I never even felt your hand. He said, I never felt you touch me. I'm like, what? Like, dude, I hit you. He said, I never felt you. He said, well, here's what I felt. 
He said, I don't know exactly which time it was, but right about that same time, I guess the exact moment, he said, it's like a bomb went off at my feet and blew me back. He said, it's like it shot up through my feet. I didn't even touch your feet. Y'all were carrying something. It's meant to be real. When, one time I was praying uh, for somebody and, and I just, you know, I just laid a hand. It was, it was a lady. I'll, I'll, use, I'll use Paul instead. Um, so I'm not leaning over a lady, you know. I'm trying to be nice. And uh, so I just prayed for a lady. And here's how I did it. I prayed. This was, this was not too long ago. I prayed like this. And I probably touched about this level of strength. That's about it. All of a sudden they went flying to the ground. And I'm like, oh, okay. I mean, that happens every now and then, you know. And, and they got up, and they asked the person next to him. they said, did pastor throw me? He's like, I don't think so. He said, it felt like pastor took me and threw me to the ground. So see, a lot of times when you think I'm doing it heavy, heavy-handed, it's not me. That's my out. It's not me. We're carrying something. Are you, well... You're designed right. yeah. to carry something. Are you carrying it? Are you carrying the consuming fire of God that starts to answer questions and answer problems before they ever become problems? Are you carrying something so real that when you pray things happen? Are you carrying something where the power of God is being manifested on a regular basis? Are you carrying something that you can't stop telling people about Jesus? <coughs> Are you carrying the fire of God so much that you can't stop catching them on fire? How long will we hesitate between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. But the people did not answer him a word. Then Elijah said to the people, I alone am left a prophet of the Lord. But Baal's prophets are 450 men. You know, sometimes when you're walking out this walk, it feels like you're alone, but you're not. And sometimes, I know I've been sitting in meetings like this, and they're, they're talking about a, a topic like the fire of God, and like, I need to get diligent and go after God. And I'm sitting there, and I'm thinking, you know, I, I don't know that I want to go after Him right now. I mean, I'm just being honest with you, God. I don't even know that I want to do that. I'm not sure. Why? Because I like fleshly ways. And I don't want to give it up. I've been at that place. I know what that feels like. I hope I never feel that again. But yet, I've been there. I understand that. And sometimes I'm being quiet because, like, I don't want to tell God a story. Oh, yes, Lord, I want you. Knowing that on Tuesday, I really am not going to want him. But it's that moment. When you say, you know what, Lord, I'm jumping in the deep end. I'm just going for it. And all of a sudden, there may be a, sh a sharp change in your life, like when you jump into the deep end on a spring day. There may, there may be a sharp change in the temperature of your life. You know, there may be a sharp change, enough where even people see it and recognize, like, what's going on with you? And you can answer. You can either answer this way, uh, I'm, I'm down and depressed, and, and if you said what was actually happening, because I keep choosing my flesh instead of God 
Or you could say, I'm, God's doing awesome stuff in me. I don't know what he's doing right now. He's forging me. He's shaping me. He, he's blowing up what I thought. He's taking me to new levels. He's springboarding me. He's kickstarting me. I don't fully know everything that he's doing, but his fire is changing me. Yeah. You can be one or the other. How long will we hesitate between the two? And why won't we just jump in to a God that we know is so good? What are we waiting on? If he really is that good or do we really believe that? Do we actually know it and believe it? Verse 23, now let them give us two oxen. Let them choose one ox for themselves and cut it up and place it on the wood and put no fire under it. And I will prepare the other ox and lay it on the wood and I will put a fire and I will not put a fire under it. Now listen to this, verse 24, huge. Then you call on the name of your God and I will call on the name of the Lord. And the God who answers by fire, he is God. And all the people said, that's a good idea. That's a good idea. It's like, at the very least, we're going to get a show today. At the very least, we're going to see something. And the God who answers by fire, he is God. Has God answered you by fire? You know... The key part of this is to have a heart that's calling on the fire. Have you asked him for the fire? Because if you've asked him for the fire, the fire's coming. You can turn away from it, but the fire's coming as long as you turn to him and you ask him for it. He will answer that. He says, Jesus is coming and he will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. And the fire will touch every element of your being. It will t- touch every thought in your life. It will touch every action. It will touch every piece of your family. The fire of God is designed to come in and burn up everything that would keep lack and death in you. It's coming to burn it all up and to bring you nothing but a removal of the weapons of the devil and to bring you everything of the provision of God in your life. That's what the fire is designed to do. How many people have asked for the fire? Have you even asked, Lord, send me your fire. Fill me with your fire. Fill me, Lord. Baptize me with your fire. Have you asked? Because how can we complain that God hasn't sent the fire if I've not actually stopped and had a heart moment where I asked for it? I will call on the Lord and he will answer by fire. See, I know this, that if you put your heart to honestly say, Lord, I need your fire. And listen, you don't just necessarily do that in one moment. It's something where you hear a series and it starts to build in you and it starts to build in you and all of a sudden you get to a place where your heart is yearning for the fire of God and if it's yearning for the fire of God then you reach out in that in that moment and you call and say Lord send your fire I need your fire when we mean it with all of our heart when we believe it with all of our heart you will be heard by him and he will send the fire many people don't even know what I'm talking about 
in today's society because they've never had an experience with a Christian who's been filled up with the fire of God. They've never even, they've never been around a Christian who's carrying the fire of God. They don't even know that they're like, it's foreign to them. It's like the same thing. Like they think demons aren't real because there's no Christians that are dealing with them. No Christians carrying an authority to deal with demonic things. And so our whole society thinks that's not even real. It's the same thing with the fire of God. We've, we've become so subpar in our walk in Christianity, the fire is so out of this, out of this, our thinking that most people don't even know what you're talking about. And yet it's real enough to, to blow people up you're praying for and forge things. I remember one time when we moved into not this building, but the building before we stepped in on Wednesday night, it was a work night. And on that work night, we're sitting there and all I wanted to do was address the people. Thank you for being here to clean up and get ready for Sunday morning. And I step up behind the podium and, and the presence of God drops in the room and crushes me. God wants to do something in our life. He didn't crush me in a bad way. It was like a forging. It was, it was all of a sudden God was there. We hardly worked. It was like the presence of God is in this place. What, what do we do? Let's worship him. Let's, listen, God is a big God. And he's very concerned about your life and being a part of your life. But we've got to open up ourselves for him to be God. We can't sit back and say, oh God, I want to know you, but you stay over there. We've got to say, Lord, no, you're God. I'm, I'm the clay. You're the potter. Let me put myself in you and you do whatever you want to do in me. It's not our responsibility to tell God how we want it. Our responsibility is to ask him, well, Lord, what do you want? I trust you. Now the fire can do what the fire does. So they say, whoever will call on the name of the Lord, whoever answers by fire, he is God. People say, that's a good idea. So Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, choose one ox for yourself, prepare it first, for you are many. Call on the name of your God, but put no fire under it. Then they took the ox which was given them and prepared it and called on the name of Baal from morning until noon. So at least like nine o'clock till noon. Oh, Baal, hear us, send the fire. Oh, Baal, hear us, send the fire. From morning till noon. Listen, Baal is simply a representation of, of everything. Oh, job, send me your provision. Oh, boss, give me favor. Oh, lake house, give me happiness. But it's not sending the fire. There's no fire there. There may be some worldly happiness, but there's no fire. There's nothing that makes you the passionate individual that God created you to be. There's nothing there to turn you, to change you from the inside out. There's nothing in the lake house. There's nothing in the bass boat. There's nothing in that job. Hey, listen, there's not even things inside of our family that many people put on the pedestal and worship more than they worship God. Only thing that's in family is because God put something in there. 
It wasn't family by itself. It was God in family that made it something special. It is Him. In Him if we live and move and have our being. In Him the fire is there to turn you into the passionate creation that God created you at, in the beginning. Made in His image and likeness. Made like Him. For the passion of God to come out of you. Lord, I, I, there's no passion coming out of me. I, I just feel dry. I feel, you need the fire. Many people are calling on everything, just like they were calling on Baal. They're calling on everything to satisfy them, and nothing satisfies because they got the wrong fire. They got a fake one. It came about at noon that Elijah mocked them. Now, this word here, mocked, it literally means he made fun of them, scoffed at them. I don't know about you, but there's 450 of them and there's one of Elijah. I mean, I'm just thinking like, here, let me show you something. The reason he's mocking because he knows there's no other choice but for God to have the victory this day. But listen, if God doesn't have the victory this day, he did. He's dead. He's gone. Why? Because they are going to cut him to pieces and throw him on that altar. Why? Because he's making fun of them. Listen, listen to what he's saying. He says, Elijah mocked them and said, Call out with a loud voice, for he is a God. Either he's occupied, which this right here means, maybe he's in the bathroom. That's what that means. Either he's occupied, or gone aside, or is on the journey. Or perhaps he's asleep and needs to be awakened. So they cried with a loud voice and cut themselves according to their custom. Dem demonic things always dismantle flesh made in the image of God. Demeans it. Why? Because the devil's always trying to get you to forget whose image you were made in. He's always trying to get you to forget the image that you're supposed to reflect. That's why uh, the demonic will, will tell you you came from monkeys. No, you came from God. Right. Yeah. The demonic will, will rip down, you know, rip down the flesh. You know, mark it up. The demonic always is marking up the body because this is designed to be the temple of the Lord. Right. And, and I'm talking about doing it in an unholy way. I'm talking about that it will always try to cut it, scar it. Mark it in a demonic way and not a godly way, not a holy way. It will constantly do this. Why? Because it's trying, the devil is trying to get you to forget whose image you were made in. Then he says this, Elijah mocked them. He said, so they cry with a loud voice and cut themselves according to their custom with swords and lances until blood gushed out on them. When mid midday was past, they raved until the time of offering and the evening sacrifice. But there was no voice, no one answered, no one paid attention. Then Elijah said to all the people, come near to me. Now, I want you to see something here. The first thing he did is he mocked them. Now, let me ask you this question about him mocking him. Was he all in? God either, now listen, this is a key to receiving and walking in the fire. God, either you show up or I'm a dead man. Either you answer by fire or I've had it. 
In other words, Elijah put himself on the altar and said, here's all of me. I'm dead if this doesn't work. I'm stepping out, Lord, I trust you. See, this is the kind of heart we got to get on the inside of us. A heart that says, Lord, I'm all in with you. I need your fire. I need, I need you to change me. I need you to bring an anointing into my life. I need you to bring an anointing into my family. I need you to bring an anointing into my church. I need you to bring an anointing into my city, into my county, into my region, into my work. I need you to bring an anointing. He needs you to bring bring him. And when you get on fire, you bring him. You start to bring him in that way. Then Elijah says this, come near to me. See, you've got to get around people that are carrying the fire of God. You have to get near people. You You know, a lot of reason why people and Christians are not carrying the fire of God, they're not around anybody carrying the fire of God. We stand up in pulpits, we preach messages, it tickles our ears, but nobody's carrying the fire hardly. It's time for the church to be lit up for the glory of God to shine, not hide it under a basket or a bushel, but to put it on the lampstand for all the world to see. It's time for the beautiful glory in you to be a contrast to the darkening world around us to show how beautiful God's love is. But it only happens when we decide, Lord, send your fire on me. Send your fire on me. So all the people came near to him, and he repaired the altar of the Lord, which had been torn down. He took time to set things right in his life. He said, Lord, I'm about to ask you to send the fire, but I'm not going to do it. I know when you send the fire, it's going to burn stuff up. I'm going to get things right inside of me so that when you send the fire, I can withstand it. I can stay in it. I can hold it. Over in Ephesians chapter 1, it says this, that we want to look for an administration suitable to the fullness. In other words, the fullness of God, if it comes in, it would blow most ministries apart. We've got to be a people that we have taken time to repair the altar of our heart. We've taken time to get the things out that need to be out and put the things in that need to be in. When we rebuild that as an honor to the Lord. Lord, I'm not going to come to some beaten up, beat down, torn apart altar. Where I'm going to come to you. I will have spent time preparing myself, getting myself right, getting my heart right. Lord, I will repent. I will remove things from my life. But I'm not going to come and ask you to come on an altar that the world has beat up and I just left it in shambles. No, I'm going I'm to come to this altar and I'm going to repair it. I'm going to get the junk out that needs to be gotten out. I'm going to get the things gone that need to be gone. And I'm going to put in the things that need to be put in. And then, Lord, when I call for your fire fire will fall. Elijah took 12 stones according to the number of tribes of the son of Jacob to whom the word of the Lord had come saying Israel shall be your name. And with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord and he made a trench around the altar enough to hold two measures of seed. You got to understand these 12 stones that we're talking about. It's very important because of this. It's not real complicated, but listen, God has a way of doing things, He has a system, He has a plan. 
And we don't get to just step outside of God and say, okay, I'm going to do what you want me to do, but I'm going to do it my way. You know, we, you know, you know the song that's real popular, you know, I'll do it my way, right? It's a popular song, catchy tune. If you like that kind of music, then it's, you really like it. But here's the thing. That's what messed us up in the garden. Adam and Eve did it their way. And you've got a whole generation singing a song of basically go the opposite way of God. I'm going to do it my way. And right now the, the, the key phrase that's out there that's jumping around, do what makes you happy. That's garbage. I'm going to do what makes God happy. That's complete hell rubbish. Trying to get corruption into a people so that they can't have the presence of God, so that their problems can't be solved. Hell's throwing out its strategies, and even Christians are eating it up left and right. Because they want to do it their way. And matter of fact, while I'm on the subject, yoga. Yoga was designed and influenced to worship gods, not the Lord God. And you can't remove that influence. Just read an article the other day about a Christian lady went into a Christian yoga place and then all of a sudden came down with this debilitating bodily thing. And what she said, and it's correctly at the end of it was, she said at the end of it, she said, you can't, even though you may call it a certain name and put on worship music, doesn't mean that you can remove the influence from it. And, and what's interesting is, is my goodness, any of y'all, go post. You, if you just believe me and you just go post this and, and don't know your research, go post something about Christians and yoga on Facebook and you will get an ever-loving tirade on your Facebook. You think I'm joking. I've watched them happen. Why would somebody be so bent? to do something their way and hold on if there's any inkling that it's outside of God's way. And there you see the heart of it and the spirit of it. Somebody's so bent to do that. That's what I'm saying. We've, we've got this thing where we've got to understand I'm not going to move to the place of healing doing it my way. I'm not going to move to the place of God's fire doing it my way. I've got to go back to his way. I've got to honor the things that he has put in place. And I must do it God's way for the fire to come and do what the fire does. I can't do it my way. I've got to do it his way. Why? Because my way stinks. His way works. He loves me more than I love myself. Why would I even begin to, to trust what I think about it? Knowing that I was raised in a corrupted body in a corrupted world with, with parents who carried the same corruption. Why would I even begin to think that I should question His way? In order for the fire to come and start fixing the issues in your life and for you to be a flame and a witness around the world like you're called to be in His image and in His glory, you've got to do it His way. You don't get to tell well, I don't like that. Well, I don't like that kind of music, so I'm not going to go there. He didn't ask you whether you like that kind of music. Yep. We got to do it his way. See, we, 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 you know, we're a Burger King generation. I'll do it my way. I want it my way. I'll have it my way. God's not Burger King. Nope. 
But if you want what he's dishing out, the patties he's flipping, you do it his way. And let me tell you, his way is awesome. His way is awesome. It's much better, much more satisfying, and half the calories. With the stones he built an altar, in the name of the Lord he made a trench around the altar, large enough to hold two measures of seed. you got to know that these are big measures of seed. Uh, I've heard some people say that it's like a basket of seed, right? So each, each uh, measure is like a basket. Then he arranged the wood, cut the ox in pieces, laid it on the wood, and he said, Fill four pitchers with water and pour it on the burnt offering with wood. Now wait a minute. What's the most valuable thing right now? I mean, is, is the water making it harder for God to do what he's about to do? Oh, well, we're going to get the wood wet, and then we'll really see if God can burn up the wood. Is that what this is about? I grew up all my life thinking that's what this is about. Like, let's show how big God is. Let's wet the wood. Like, of all the things to show how big God is, like, that's not a big one. Let's wet the wood. No, 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 no. This is an altar, a place where you bring offerings and offer things to God. What's the most valuable resource you have after three and a half years of a drought? Water. He says, dig a trench around it. This is life. Look, they're not, just, they're not bringing him, you know, just a, out of the... Their wealth, a little bit of offering. They're not just bringing him a little bit of something. Oh, well, this will make me feel good and check the box on my offer. No, no, no. They're bringing him their literal life. It has not rained in three and a half years. Can you imagine what Walmart would look like when they get in a shipment of water bottles if it hadn't rained for three and a half years? Could you imagine the lines? I mean, my goodness, a few years ago, a hurricane comes through and, and it disrupts the oil industry for like two weeks weeks and the price of fuel went from two dollars a gallon up to four and four and a half dollars a gallon can you imagine three and a half years of no rain on the earth how precious this is life they're offering lord here's our life to you this is our life and we're just pouring it on the altar pouring it in the ground this is a trust this is a faith. This is them. So now they prepared their heart. They're doing things God's way. Elijah's leading them in this. They prepared their heart. They're doing things God's, God's way. They're all in. If it doesn't work, I'm dead. And now I'm giving you my everything. This is a move to see something. It's a heart prepared. Then he says, do it a second time. Now, give more water. And they did it a second time. And he said, do it a third time. Man, does this give me the ability to take up three offerings in one service? <laughs> wow, revelation. <No. laughs> uh, then they did it a third time. And the water flowed around the altar, and he also filled the trench with water. He also filled the trench. He filled it up with water. They gave an offering. At the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice, Elijah the prophet came near and said, O Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, today, 
Let it be known that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and I have done all these things at your word. Answer me, O Lord, answer me. That this people may know that you, O Lord, are God and that you have turned their heart back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up all the water that was in the trench. And when the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. Then Elijah said to them, Seize the prophets of Baal. Do not let one one escape, and they seized them. Elijah took them down to the brook Kishon and slew them there. Now Elijah said to Ahab, Go up, eat and drink, for there's the sound of the roar of a heavy shower. When the fire of God comes, don't leave one little bit of the flesh left to tempt you in your life. Knock it all out. Crucify every bit of the flesh instantly. When the fire of God comes, go and don't turn back. Go and don't turn back. Go and don't turn back. Don't leave an area of temptation. Don't leave a place of the flesh that can draw you back away from the fire. I can tell you, when I told you the story about asking God for the fire, and I was young, I didn't even know I was asking, and he he met me with that fire. Nicole can tell you, she can shake her head if this is correct, and literally my stomach shook, my whole body shook for like three hours, and then my stomach was shaking for like three days. It would not stop. I couldn't make it stop. The touch of God, it changed me. We need a touch of God. We need a touch of God. The problem was I didn't really know what I had my hands on and there was nobody around me that was walking in it. There was nobody that knew about it. They didn't even recognize what it was. They're just like, oh, look, he's on fire. And that's all they knew. They didn't even understand what had happened. There was nobody to help guide me through that process. And so little by little as I go on through life, this thing that had just lit me up, I let it slip. Now, you got to understand, it changed me. It changed me. I was a different person. When you get touched by the fire of God, you don't stay the same. And then from that time on, people are like, what's wrong with him? He's so on fire. And I wasn't really as on fire as what they thought. I just was living above where they were. I was just above the norm, above the average. And I go on through life and and I'm still changed and I'm living above the average. But I knew that something still wasn't right. Something it's like water that boils at 100 degrees Celsius at 99. It's just hot water. But at 100, it produces a power that sent trains carrying loads across the country. It produces this great power. And it's like, it, just because I'm above average doesn't mean that I'm doing it the right way. Something's missing. And a few years ago, I said, Lord, something's missing. I don't know what it is. You've got to help me. I know there's something not right. We have fruit, people are getting healed, they're getting delivered, they're getting touched when we pray. But yet I know that there's more. There's more, there's more. I know, Lord, there's more. I need your fire. I need something. I didn't know it was fire at the time. So I start fasting and praying. What am I doing? I'm consecrating myself. I'm getting me out of the way. I'm starting to go after him. Lord, I need you. If I don't have you, I feel like I'm going to die. I've got to go after you. I need you, Lord. 
I start going to this one extended fast and I don't, I don't know exactly, I'm definitely changed. But then I go into a second one a few months later and that's when he tells me what you're after is fresh fire. What you're after is fresh fire. I said, then Lord, send your fire. A few days later, I'm praying at the house. I'm on my knees in my office, and I see a vision of, of it's almost like billowing smoke, but it wasn't smoke. It was billowing fire shooting down from heaven and coming on me. And before I know it, when I start praying for people, different things are happening. God had sent his fire. Things had changed. We need the fire of God. What can the fire of God do in your life? We need this fire. Listen, I want to just give you, uh, as we wrap up, a few examples of the fire of God. When people in the Bible came into interaction, I'm talking about a touch of the fire of God. It changed them. In Genesis 15, when Abraham came into interaction with a touch of the fire of God, there was a flame that passed through. A covenant was made. And God said, when that interaction with the fire happened, God told Abraham, I will give you everything you ever need, and I will make your name great, and the, your seed will be as multitude, and you'll be as big as the dust of the earth. He said, everything you need, I'm raising you up. One touch with the fire and a covenant was passed. Later on in Genesis 22, when Abraham's offering Isaac on the altar, there's the fire there again. And Abraham gives the fire back in an offering. And all of a sudden he sees, this is Jehovah Jireh who is my provider. He has provided everything that I need. The burning bush, Moses is 80 years old. He's on the backside of a wilderness and on the backside of life. But here he is, 80 years old. He has no plans of doing anything. But what he has inside of him is a call. Do you have a call? You need the fire. He comes and he has an interaction with the fire of God. And this man who stammers and stutters and was scared to go and talk to Pharaoh, all of a sudden he says, look, Lord, send Aaron. All of a sudden a touch with the fire. And he comes out of that place a changed man. And now he's going in and he sets a whole nation free yes. one touch of the fire yeah. what call is inside of you waiting to be ignited by the fire of God then when Israel comes out of Egypt, they come out of bondage. They're in the middle of a wilderness. Have you ever been in the middle of a wilderness? I don't know where to go. I don't know what to do. Lord, I, can't, I don't even know if I can hear you. They have an interaction with fire during the night. When everything's the darkest, they don't know where to go. There's a pillar of fire that leads them. This interaction gave them all the direction and the wisdom that they needed. This is the fire that we need. We need the fire. They come to Mount Sinai in Exodus 19. It says Mount, Mount Sinai was all in smoke because the Lord descended upon it in a fire. And the smoke ascended like the smoke of a furnace. And the whole mountain quaked violently. And Exodus 24, 17 says, And to the eyes of the Son of Israel, the appearance of the glory of the Lord was like a consuming fire on the mountaintop. And Exodus 34, 29, it says this. See, Israel put it in reverse. Boop, boop, boop. And they're backing up. 
But Moses said, I'm going in. And when he comes down from this fire, he has an interaction with the fire. His face is lit up like a light bulb. So much so that he was scaring people. Like, and they needed to put a veil over his face. Because people didn't know what to think about it. One interaction with the fire, listen to this, and God makes his glory your glory. He makes his glory your glory. You're designed to carry the glory of God. Then we have the story we just read where here's Elijah. They're bound up in, in basically demonic worship. And all of a sudden, one man and an interaction with fire and all of every demonic thing is wiped out in that country and in that people. There's people in here that have a call to have an interaction with fire and you will see your whole generation change. All the people around you. There's people that are called, but you need the fire. You need the fire of God. Later on, a king sends 50 men to get Elijah and they say, hey, come down here. They're disrespectful. He says, if I'm a man of God, let fire fall. The fire of God protected him from his enemies. It fell. It consumes all 50 men. Listen, the enemies of God, they are consumed when you're walking in the fire of God. They're consumed when you're walking in the fire of God. Anybody ever need to go to heavenly places? And all of a sudden, here's Elijah and Elisha walking along. And Elijah knows, I'm going to heaven today. How did he go? A chariot of fire and horses of fire. And here comes this fire, this touch, this interaction with fire and takes him to heaven. We need the fire of God. We need to walk in heavenly. We need to walk in the supernatural all the time. Solomon comes, they build the temple. He prepares a place for God. He lays an altar down and all of a sudden as soon as they do that, here comes fire from heaven and burns up the, altar, the offering. It, it consumes everything that Solomon's put on there and the glory of God fills the place. Has the glory of God filled your house? We need the fire of God. We need the fire of God. Your children need the fire of God. But you need to say, I'm going to get it on me. I'm going to prepare me. We need the fire of God. Shadrach, Meshach, and a let me go. I'm sorry, Abednego. <laughs> Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They say, Lord, we're going to worship you. We will not worship any other man. Lord, we're going to worship you. The king's so prideful, he says, anybody who doesn't worship me, throw them in the fiery furnace. And today, because they did it in front of everybody, turn that, turn that oven up. Seven times hotter. They said, Lord, you've got our first. You've got our best. Well, we're going to worship you even if they throw us in the furnace. They come into an interaction with the fire of God. The captors die throwing them in the fire. That's how hot it is. Throwing in, and they fall dead. Shadrach, Meshach. And Abednego, walk in the fire. When the fire of God gets on you, you walk in the fire of the world and it can't touch you. Matter of fact, all of the captivity 
that the world has tried to assign. It get burns up. The only thing that burnt in that fire was their bonds. Oh, you want to throw fire on my people? They're walking in a fire and with a son of fire. A fourth man. The Bible says he looked like the son of God walking in. Didn't you throw in three men? But yet there's four walking in there. And one of them has the image like the son of man. Like the son of God. When you walk in the fire, you're walking in the presence of God. And your captivity gets burnt up. Anybody ever felt like, like I've just been in bondage, like I can't break free, I can't, it's like it just won't stop. You need the fire. You need the fire. In Acts chapter 2, just a touch, just an interaction, the Holy Spirit falls. And on top of their head, it's not a baptism, this is a tongue of fire, a tongue of fire. All of a sudden, in one day, listen to this church, in one day, they go from 120 at the church to over 3,000. One day, one touch of the fire. Not even a baptism of the fire. Just a tongue. One interaction. We need the fire. If, that, if there's no other statistic that shows us that we need the fire, it's this one. Because which church have you seen adding 3,000? For Jesus' sake, in the day, in a day. Where's the fire of God? We need the fire of God. You ought to let that, you ought to let that burn inside of you. You ought to let it brand you. Lord, I need your fire. Then in Revelation, John standing on the Lord's day, he's worshiping. All of a sudden he heard, hears from him a voice behind him. And he turns around and it's Jesus whose eyes or like fire. He meets the king of glory, God's son, who is an all-consuming fire. And his eyes shine like fire. And here's John. Here's John who spent much of his days with Jesus himself. But when Jesus shows up and appears in this new glorified on fire body, he says, I fell at the ground like a dead man. The presence of God was so strong. We need the fire of God. Each one of these are simply interactions with the fire. And yet Jesus said, I'm not just going to give you a touch. I'm not just going to give you an interaction. I'm going to baptize you with fire. We need the fire of God. What is it in your life that you need? What is it in your life that you're yearning for? What you need is not to go and try and solve it. What you need is not to try and go figure it out. Well, if I could just have more money, then all this would work out, so I'm going to go work a second job. No, what you need is the fire of God. What you need is the fire of God. It's the answer for all things. What you need is the fire of God. I need not just a touch of fire. I need a baptism of fire. I need God to consume all things in me and purify me and refine me. I need Him to come down and see His face in me. I need to reflect Him. I need to grow up to the fullness of the stature of Christ. I need to be so on fire that I'm winning souls left and right. I can't stop telling people about Jesus. 
Jesus, I need this fire. I need it to answer health questions in my body. I need it to answer money issues in my life. I need it to answer uh, family things that are going on. I need the unity back. I need my family to be on fire. I need for it to answer work things. I need the fire of God. But it's all up to you. Will you prepare the altar? And will you ask him for it? Or do you want to still hesitate between two opinions? Walk a little in the world and a little in God. Little in the world and little in God. Or is it time to say, it's not going to be the same from this day forward. God, send your fire. Purify me. Refine me. Draw me to what you want me to be. Let me shine and burn for you. Lord, I need your fire. I need your touch. I need to be baptized in the fire of God. Let's just pray in the Holy Ghost. Lord, send your fire today. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Pray with me. Lord, I need your fire. Is that the cry of your heart today? Do you need his fire? Do you need something real? Do you need something new? Do you need to go to another level? The Holy Ghost has been calling you to this for months and years. He's been calling you to this point. You need the fire and you don't just need a touch. You don't just need an interaction with the fire. You need to be consumed by the fire. Because our God is a consuming fire. And he, he wants to pour out His fire on you. He wants to pour out His self on you. But it's up to you. Will you go all in? Will you say, Lord, I'm yours? I need your fire. And until the things that I talked about today start happening in your life on a regular basis, don't give up. Keep pressing in. Keep pressing in for more and more of God. And Lord, I need your fire. I need you to be in my life who I see you to be in that word. I need it to be real. I need it to be on that level. I'm tired of living average. I'm tired of living mediocre. When I know that I have an all-consuming fire for a father, I need to walk like he walked. I need to walk in his things. I don't need to hold back. I need to be who he's called me to be. Lord, I ask that the hearts would be prepared for fire to, today. For the purifying fire of God. For the refining. Lord, today's my day. I'm not leaving here the same. I'm grabbing a hold of your fire. I'm putting faith out there that you will answer the call. Because I'm asking for you. I just ask you right now, if you need that fire of God, come up now. Come up now. I need the fire of God. I need your fire, Lord. I will not stand back any longer. I will walk in everything you've called me to walk in. I need your fire. 
Lord, I just ask right now, dispense your fire. Lord, put on their hearts. I'm going to mess you up here. I'm going to mess you up in a good way. Lord, put on their hearts right now a hunger and a burn for the fire of God. And Lord, let it not relent. Let there be no relenting in that draw for the fire of God. Lord, draw their hearts up to new levels. Draw them to the place where the fire does what it's supposed to do in their life. And nothing is held back. Lord, draw them to that place. Let today not be a day that's just past. That just, oh yeah, that's a good message. He got loud. I amen. No, let it be a day where everything changes. Where the fire of God moves and falls. Lord, I need you. Lord, I need you. I need you in my life. I need answers. I need things to work. I need things to be like you promised. Lord, you said you're my provider. I need that provision to be. And Lord, I'm going after you. I'm calling on your fire. I'm calling on you to be who you said you would be. And I believe that you will be that. Lord, I receive it. I need your fire. I need the touch. I need the interaction of fire in my life. Just pray this with me no matter where you're at, whether you're standing here or you're seated. Just pray this with me right now. Just say, Father. Say it out loud. Father, right now, Jesus is the Lord of my life. I believe he died for me. And I believe he rose again. And when, he, when you rose him up, you brought me up. I'm no longer in the place of death. I'm in the place of life. To live like you. And for you. In every way. Jesus, I ask you. According to your word. Baptize me in the Holy Ghost and fire. Thank you, Father. Now just sitting where you're, every head bowed, if you prayed that today, and Lord, I needed to pray that. Everything starts in relationship and fellowship with God. That's what Jesus did. If you prayed that and you said, I just... You said, I needed to pray that today. I just want to see your hand, and I want to pray for you. I needed to pray that today. Is there any? I see those. Keep them up for a second so I can see them. Glory to God. Any more? I needed to pray that. I want to pray for you. I needed to pray that today. Anybody else? Thank you, Father. Lord, I just pray right now for every person that lifted their hand, Lord. Lord, give them a hunger for the fire. Let them be strengthened with all your might. In Jesus' name. 